0: Welcome back to The Fit Habit. My name is Cara McGill. I am your host, and I believe this is episode number four. So today, I want to talk about an experience that I'm going through, and I'm sure that some of you, if not all of you, that have the desire to be fit and the self-motivation to get out there and do what you need to do. Have probably gone through this as well. So I hope that you can relate to what I'm going to tell you about. And I also hope that you can appreciate the takeaway that I'm going to give you. And really, there's two fundamental things here. Um, It's about ego and it's about knowing better, but not doing what you know you should do and what's best for you, even though you do know better. So uh, just to give you a little background, it's the beginning of 2015 right now. We're still in January, and this month has been pretty humbling for me from a physical perspective. I started the year off with some weird nerve damage and back problems that fortunately I have resolved, but no sooner did I resolve those issues that I got a really bad cold. I was exhibiting at the Fancy Food Show with my company, ProCakes, and and I was just talking to a lot of people and tasting a lot of samples and shaking a lot of hands. And of course, wasn't, you know. Properly sanitizing, I suppose I should be doing that, even though I I think it's kind of a little bit of a OCD behavior. I guess I (laughs) would have proved helpful for me. So, anyways, I ended up getting a really bad cold from that experience, and uh, colds aren't just like the sniffles for a week for me anymore. I don't know if it's because I'm getting older or because strains of viruses are getting stronger, but these have a tendency to now knock me out completely for a couple of weeks. But I digress. the The end result of these two things is that I've really had to change my approach to fitness in the last month. Up until the end of last year, I was working out regularly at the gym, you know, and I would do probably three to four days a week of full body. I've sort of moved past the five-day split, as it's called in the fitness industry, where you go to the gym one day and just work shoulders and go to the gym next day and just work legs That's a great format if you're a serious competitor, but if you're just looking for general fitness, I think it's kind of a waste of time. And you get a better hormonal bang for your buck if you do full body workouts. Anyways, again, that's a digression. Back to my issue I have been pretty rigorous, as you know, Uh, if you read my blog at all about my workouts, and I'm very consistent with them. But at the beginning of this year, it just seemed like I could not get a a hold on my workouts. So as a result, I haven't been going to the gym. I think I've been to the gym twice in 2015, and the last time was on Friday, and I'm still paying for it, and today's Monday. The problem, what I've been doing in place of going to the gym is yoga and a lot of walking. This is a real sort of downgrade for me in terms of intensity. You know, usually I go short and hard, and that works really well for me because I don't like spending a lot of time at the gym. But with my intensity having to be dialed down because of my physical issues and limitations, I've really had to dial up the time spent doing things. And the changes have been good and bad. I'm going to share those with you. So, in hopes that. If and when you know you get to a point, hopefully you never do, where you have to dial things back because of some sort of a physical limitation, be it an injury or an illness, that you can take some of the learning lessons that I have come to appreciate from my experience and move forward with them. So the upside to this change in workouts is that Number one, yoga, there is science to this. I know there is, and I'm going to dig it up and I'm going to talk about it on this podcast and on the blog, has measurable impact on your overall happiness. I don't care who you are. If you are doing back bends and heart openers, which is open front chest stretches, on a consistent basis, it has an impact on your posture and on your demeanor that translates physically into the way you behave in the world. Now, I'm not an exceptionally cranky person. I'm pretty positive by nature, but... I do have my limitations with patients and I can get snappy with my husband and things like that. And he has noticed and I have noticed that over the last months doing yoga, that that has subsided a little bit. And I know that this is due to my practice. Not only is the physical postures translating themselves into a physiological and psychological transformation for me, and again, not huge because I'm not running around being cranky pants all the time but it has made a considerable difference. And I am happier. I can tell I am happier. If I looked at this from a N equals one scientific perspective, I could totally tell you that my happiness quotient has increased, you know, at least five to 10% in the last month from doing yoga. And that's pretty amazing. The benefits are immediate as soon as you do it. Typically, I don't actually enjoy the practice of yoga. I find it quite boring. But once I'm done, I feel amazing. And the great part is that that translates throughout the rest of your day. It is a feeling that is not just a buzz that lasts five minutes after. So that's priority number one. And just as a sidebar, I have not been going to a lot of classes. So if you have yoga in the past, because it's a huge time commitment, which I believe it is, and that's a huge barrier. It's also very expensive. Then I would encourage you to look no further than YouTube to find some really great yoga classes. I do use YouTube. There's a gal that I follow, and I'm going to pull up her name right now, but she's not for the faint of heart. Like I I honestly have not been able to do her classes during my healing process this month because she is pretty intense. Her name is Ali Kavanova. She's Eastern European and she's just the cutest little thing. And her workouts are hardcore and they're free. So Google her. Ali is L A L I, and her last name is K-A-M-E-N-O-V-A. And I'll put her name in the show notes. And she just does amazing work. So if you're into high interval or high-intensity training, Um, and you're interested in yoga, she does a great blend of this. But because I haven't been able to really practice her work very much lately because of my back and cold, I've been practicing via a website called Yoga Glow. And there's a few different websites out there that produce really professional high-end yoga classes. I used to follow Yoga Today, and I do like your instructors, or the majority of them, but I find it's very talky, and I'm not really into talky classes, and I don't like talky instructors that feel a need to explain every single motion in the class. I'm very much, uh, you know, give me sort of a very, less is more, and give me a few verbal cues as possible. And I don't find that I get that with yoga today, and it's probably because they're targeting a less experienced audience, and I can completely appreciate that. Yoga Glow uh, is fantastic, A, because they have premium, top-notch teachers. There's some really, really, like everything from Sean Korn, who is, you know, one of the most renowned and sought-after teachers, to Catherine Budding, I think her name is. And she's just like so cool, and she's got a great attitude, and she's got a great sense of humor, and it translates into her practice, and she doesn't take herself too seriously. And I ad- Adore her. So her and a whole bunch of other teachers that are just fabulous all have classes on Yoga Glow. I think it's like $18 a month. You can do a two-week free trial. Then they start charging your credit card $18 a month, which is the less than the cost of one class for all of you who may think that that's a lot of money. And the great thing about it is that the instruction is fabulous. You can really drill down to whatever kind of yoga you're looking for, whether it's something that's you know emotionally geared. Uh, there's lots of meditations. there's lots of uh, tutorials around handstands and headstands and doing certain balance pose. And Or you can look for more physical practices if you're just looking for like a straight-up power yoga where there's not a lot of woo-woo or ohms or anything like that. You can find it. And you can find it. This is what I love the most. You can search by the duration of time that you want. So if I want like a 15-minute class or a 30-minute class or a 40-minute class, I can get that. And I absolutely value that 100% because I don't know about you, but I do not have time in my life to be doing 90-minute yoga classes every single day not even a couple times a week. I don't know who came up with the idea that yoga classes should be 90 minutes. I think it's ridiculous. And this is coming from somebody who has actually had a teacher training. I don't know where 90 minutes came from. It's kind of random, but it's kind of stupid. And we just don't have time for it. And never, ever use 90-minute classes as a barrier not to practice because the practice will give back to you tenfold and you don't need to practice longer than you know 20 minutes to get the benefits that I've been talking about. So do check out Yoga Glow. I'm not an affiliate of theirs or anything like that I just think that they produce really quality shows and again there's a lot of great yogis on YouTube too just giving their talents away for free so rock on to those guys and I really appreciate that so that's been one of the big benefits of slowing down. And the other benefit, or the other thing that I'm doing and how that benefits me, I've been walking a lot more. So I recently moved back up to the Bay Area with my family, and the Bay Area is my second home. I absolutely love it. I'm just so freaking happy to be back here. No offense to you guys in LA, but I, this is home for me. And I live up in the hills on the peninsula in the Silicon Valley, and I have these beautiful beautiful views of trees and green and open fields and his crazy pants. And I did a blog post on what I'm talking about today. And I posted a picture of just one of the views and the vistas that's on my walk. And it's just amazing. So You know, when you don't make a habit of walking, you don't necessarily open your eyes to what's out there around you. Even if you live like in a cookie cutter suburban neighborhood, there's beauty all around you and there's little animals and there's people and there's interaction and, you know, there's life going on around you that you don't feel when you're in your car or if you're taking your dog for a quick pee or something like that. When you're intentionally out for a walk and moving around your environment, whether it's you know, walking straight out of your front door or driving somewhere and going for a nature hike or an urban hike, as I like to say, because I do like walking around cities, it's amazing the feel that you'll get of a space and the appreciation you'll get of your surroundings. So if you're just walking and getting a, a feel for your environment on a completely different level than we typically do in our very rush lives, it will bring you so much joy. And here's a fit tip for you. Walking in a fasted state is really beneficial from a fat loss perspective. I've spoken a lot on the blog about fasted cardio. So what I've done in the past is I wake up in the morning and even though I hate to work out in the morning, I will do cardio fasted because what happens over the course of the night, your glucose levels deplete and oversimplifying this. But just for the sake of arguments, your glucose levels deplete to the point that when you wake up in the morning, if you haven't eaten for, you know, 8, 10 hours... You go right into physical exercise, not necessarily high-intensity exercise, but let's say this is a great advantage of steady-state cardio where you're just doing like 20 to 30 minutes of, you know, uh, 70% intensity cardio and maintaining that throughout the duration of your workout. Your body's going to go directly to its fat stores to fuel that workout because there's no other ready available fuel. So that's the premise and the science behind a fasted cardio, quote-unquote, walking oh is that a cardio well you know maybe that's up for debate I'm not gonna argue it but I will say that there's a ton of research out there that indicates that walking is still one of the gold standards for actual physical exercise just because our bodies were designed to move in in that sort of way you know we weren't necessarily designed to run marathons uh, which is why some people die when they do it and I'm not knocking marathons because it's something I haven't been able to do myself. But it's not exactly the most effective form of exercise, especially for fat loss or sustainable exercise because over a course of time, it will break down muscle mass and because it is catabolic and uh, it'll also break down your joints. Uh, I'm digressing again. The point here, is that walking is a very sustainable form of exercise. If you're walking at a good clip, you are getting cardiovascular. Even if you're not walking at a good clip, you're still getting cardiovascular benefit. But the more invigorating the walk it is, the more you're going to get out of it. And if you're walking in a fasted state, which means you're waking up in the morning and you're going out, and going for your walk before you have anything to eat, maybe just some coffee, you're going to get some fat loss benefit out of that too. And more importantly than fat loss benefit, you're going to get a lot of psychological benefit too. You're going back to the things that I mentioned before that you're just experiencing your neighborhood on a whole other level. And you're doing something really awesome for yourself first thing in the morning. And not only is it making you feel more productive and making you feel like you've started the day on a great foot, but it's going to give you more energy throughout the day. And what I do when I walk is listen to podcasts. So I try to make this time as effective as possible. I'm like going at a good clip. I'm enjoying my surroundings. And I'm listening to Michael Hyatt or Shalene Johnson or, gee, who else do I absolutely adore? Lately, I've been listening to Blake Lively, The Lively Show. She's fabulous. She's just knockout. Or After the Jump, which is Grace Bonnie's podcast if you're an entrepreneur. Just great material out there. And I hope one day that my podcast can be anywhere as close to as. Awesome and producing great content as these guys do. I really admire them. So I'm either doing that or I'm listening to an audiobook. And I have to say that between the yoga and the back bends and the chest opening, that's part of that practice and just the slowing down of your mind in yoga. And then the walking that I've been doing in my beautiful neighborhood. And I'll also mention, I think I mentioned previously, I live in the hills on the peninsula in Silicon Valley. So I'm on a pretty steep hill and I'm walking up and down that hill is pretty crazy. And I'll break out in sprints every once in a while, but you know that's a very rare occurrence. And it's only when I'm on flat road. Uh, I would never run down a hill because it's treacherous on your knees and it's hard to run up a hill when you're not feeling well. Anyway, that's generally what I've been doing lately. And those are all, as I've mentioned to this point, the great benefits of having those two practices as I'm healing from this cold and the back issues that I've had in the past. But there's also sort of a dark side of what's going on right now over the past month and having to really dial down the intensity of my practice that I've been struggling with. And it wasn't until I wrote a blog post about this that the takeaway really became real clear to me. So I'll I'll walk through that aspect of it now. So as I've mentioned before, I'm 44 years old and I do not accept the fact that there are certain things I could do as a 20-year-old that I can't do as a 44-year-old in the realm of physical exercise. First of all, because I was not a very healthy 20-year-old, but also because I strongly believe that if you take care of your body, if you keep yourself moving, if you eat right, if you sleep well, if you manage stress, aging does not have to be a physically degrading process. And I look better now at 44 years old than I did when I was 20, because I was probably about 180 pounds when I was 20. And I'm probably somewhere around 132 to 135 right now. I'm about five, nine and a half. That's my height. So I lost almost a small person over 20 years ago. And I feel better about myself. I practice healthier habits now. I used to smoke then. I would go out and party and drink. I still love my wine now, but I'm certainly not you know, practicing the behaviors that I did. I wasn't necessarily any different than the average 20 year old, but I didn't appreciate my body and I didn't appreciate my health. And I didn't appreciate how health and vitality are fleeting. And if you don't make it a priority, it will go away. So I'm not proud of the way I lacked self care as a 20 year old, but I am very proud of the way I take care of myself now. And the idea that this is more than just a cold or uh, some nerve issues in my back, that it's me slowing down it's a bigger picture thing of is it the idea that i'm just getting older and therefore i need to start walking as opposed to running and you know doing the kind of exercises you see old people doing at the gym like God love them. You know, they're certainly not busting ass like a 20 something might be and lifting heavy weights or anything like that. So you see a progression. You have an idea in your mind how an older person behaves as they work out. It's sort of that Richard Simmons idea of the sweatband and, you know, maybe marginally overweight people trying to push through in aerobics class. And I never want that to be me. I always want to be this woman, even like in my 60s and 70s and 80s, that can kick ass, that can drop a headstand or a pocros at any given time, that could run a couple of miles if I wanted to, whether I wanted to or not, and whose appearance is going to reflect that as well. There's just an image of my mind of how I want to be as I continue to age. And being physically active and physically fit and looking good physically is a big part of that. So when i have to dial it down because i'm not feeling well that ego piece in my brain comes up like oh this is this is it next thing you know next week you're going to be doing richard simmons aerobic classes in the living room so i'm struggling with that a lot the other thing is that oh yeah this is uh, i'm just reading through the blog post that i'm speaking to right now I have gone through so much learning in the past three years, maybe, geez, 20 years when you think about it. It's a lifetime of learning about physical exercise, but more legitimately from a certification standpoint in the last couple of years. And I also listen to authorities in health and nutrition that are speaking about cutting edge science as opposed to the science of 20 years ago. You know, people that talk about whole grains and orange juice being healthy. That is so old. I ignore that stuff. I push it out of my head because I know better. Same thing with fitness. I ignore the eat less, exercise more philosophy because it doesn't necessarily get you where you want to go if, if fat loss is your goal. It can actually be deleterious to those goals if you're you know, running 50, 60 miles a week and trying to lose weight, but you can't because you're starving all the time and you're losing muscle mass because there's such a catabolic activity. So I, am, I pride myself on knowing quite a bit about health and fitness and the way things really are according to scientific research today. However, even though I know better, When I have thoughts of, for example, we're going to Hawaii next month and, you know, I've got to be in my best shape if I want to, you know, run around in my bikini all day long, which is something I'm totally happy to do in my 44th year of life. But you think about that, you think, okay, so going on vacation in a month, I'm going to want to shape up for that, which is a very sort of ubiquitous idea, but immediately my thoughts go to, oh my God, I start have to start running more. I have to start doing more cardio to lean out. And I also have to start counting calories, counting macros and, and eating less. And that's not necessarily the right approach, especially for my body type. If I start doing a lot of chronic cardio, I raise my cortisol levels and I start gaining weight or holding on to fat around my waist. And that is, I become skinny fat and I'm skinny on the edges and fat in the middle. And I know exactly why that happens. Another thing is, you know, my brain says, don't eat that nut butter or don't eat that avocado or have less of it because it's High in fat, even though I know fats are fantastic for me personally. I have changed my diet over the past four to five years to be more focused on healthy fats and reducing my well, almost eliminating processed carbohydrates, but reducing my carbs to nutrient dense flours and vegetables. Uh, I don't even need a lot of fruit anymore. And I know that works for me. And I know scientifically that works for me. But when my mind goes to, I'm going to the beach in a month, I need to shape up, I need to lean out. All of those old paradigms that I know are completely outdated and are completely misguided pull up in my mind. And I have to fight them back down. I have to become aware and conscious in every moment that I know what the right practices are for me. It's slow and steady wins the race. It's, you know, not too much cardio. It's we're lifting weights. It's doing, you know... The yoga and the walking. These are not things that I should just eliminate when I get back to perfect health, but things that I should be incorporating into my physical fitness plan, anyways. The only thing I'm really missing out on right now is a little bit of fasted cardio and a couple of weight sessions a week. So, you know, this is, I think, true of anything in life. You know, we know. In our minds and intellectually, we know what the right things are to do, but we don't necessarily do them. And that's why, you know, people abuse cigarettes and alcohol or other people in relationships. <laughs> we know what to do, but we don't necessarily practice what we preach. So I'm coming clean on that. And I'm telling you that my brain is telling me to go for a run right now. And I know that's the, not the right thing to do. So those sort of things are always a struggle and you're not going to get away from them. And just to go back to my previous uh, mention about being afraid of, you know, my body just being too old to perform certain activities. This is something that I did on Friday and I'm, I'm angry at myself even today on Monday. In order to prove to myself that yes, I can still do these things on Friday, even though I was sick, I was sort of riding high on adrenaline because I was having a really good day and I got some really good feedback on my my product and my business. And I thought I was just in such a great mood that I thought I'm going to go to the gym and just hammer out a session and that's exactly what I did and I got through it and I was balls to the wall. And then the next day, I woke up, and I could barely move. And then the day after that, Sunday, I literally almost couldn't move. And (laughs) I was supposed to have a photo shoot session for Pro Cakes, and I could barely even move around. I could barely even take pictures of food on Sunday. I was in so much pain. And I also felt a resurge in my cold because of that, because I instead of giving myself the time appropriately to heal, my ego pushed me to the gym and pushed me to the limit, and then I was two steps back from there. So, you know, it's, it's interesting that I have an angel on one shoulder and a devil on the other, and clearly the angel doesn't always win these battles. But here's the takeaway to all of this, and, and sorry if uh, I, I, I need to digress more. As I was writing out the pros and cons of the experience I've had this last month with having to change my physical activity to accommodate, you know, my my limitations, is that at the end of the day, I am really proud of myself for honoring my priority to maintain my health and fitness. It's a really big deal to me. It hasn't always been, but as I've gotten older, as you know, I've explored this sort of athletic side of myself that I never thought existed when I was a child, uh, that now that I'm exploring this health and wellness um, nerd in myself that I never thought was there when I was a teenager, I'm embracing it. And that time every day where I'm active is very important to me. As I've mentioned, not just for physical reasons, not just for vanity reasons, not just for health reasons, but also for uh, mental hygiene. It's such a big part of my life. And I need to move not just to feel good physically, but to feel good mentally. And when I don't have the opportunity to do that, I suffer as a cause of it. But the important thing that the behaviors I've had over this month have really proved to me is that I'm able to maintain the core behavior of doing some form of physical activity every single day. I shoot for seven days a week of working out. I don't wake all of those days intent, high intensity. Even when I'm feeling 100%, very often you know, I'll have a couple of high intense days during the week, and then I'll have some walking or yoga, or I'll have you know, a cycling, couple of days of cycling or cardio, just cardio. But I mix it up. And I try to do seven days a week. And it doesn't, it rarely works that I get seven days a weekend. Usually I'll get five or six. But if I know if I aim for seven, I'll get at least 80% of that. And, And that is, you know, fantastic. It's more than the average person does. So that's fabulous for me. And the key thing that I really need to honor in myself right now is that even though I can't go to the gym or I can't go for a run or I can't do really rigorous yoga or anything like that, I'm still taking an, about an hour every single day and doing something. Sometimes it's only 30 minutes, you know, sometimes it's a little bit more than an hour. Sometimes I'm doing yoga and walking on the same day if I have the luxury of that much time. But the key is I'm maintaining that behavior, I'm maintaining that habit so that as my health improves and that once I'm back to 100% you know, nothing's going to change. I may lose a little bit of fitness, but I'm not going to lose the momentum, which is really more important than the fitness itself. Because, you know, fitness elevation kind of comes and goes. It's not something that's linear and constantly improving. You always have to peel back and you always have to taper. It's just part of the process of, you know, either growing muscle or growing endurance. You need to taper off. So I focus less on the fitness that I'm losing and you know I'm not worried about gaining weight because I'm not working out for a month. If anything I've leaned out a little bit more because yoga has a tendency to do that for me. So it's none of those things. For me it's the focus and the value of taking that need to work out and making it a priority in my day. Every single day. And as long as I'm maintaining that habit, I know that as my health improves, I'm going to be able to slide right back into my regular fitness routine and there'll be nothing lost and I won't be any further behind. And, you know, the same is true, I think, of nutrition. I find that people have a few bad meals or a few indulgences and all of a sudden they're quote unquote off the wagon and they're taking. Those few mistakes and letting it define the way they're eating and the choices and the behaviors that they're making thereafter, they're making the poor choices because they let this one poor choice dictate the succession of choices thereafter. And you need to be really careful with that. It's a slippery slope. It's like if you make a mistake, you're not a bad person perpetually. The same thing goes with nutrition. If you go out one night and hammer back, you know, six slices of pizza and a couple of beers, it does not make immediate. Mean that you are just that person who can't manage or control what they eat, and that you're destined to be chubby for the rest of your life. If that's your your situation, take any sort of poor choice, look at it, and say, "All right, so that happened." And now what? You know, and if you can plan those poor choices into your week, that's what I do. That's the whole idea of a, if you want to call it, a cheat meal think to yourself, okay, I'm going out for dinner on Thursday night and Saturday night. Those are going to be the nights where, you know, I'm going to let myself have what I want. If the bread comes to the table, I'm going to eat it and I'm not going to feel bad. Because when I eat at home, I eat really well because I only buy healthy groceries and, you know, they're not the type of groceries that will trigger overeating for me. So really look at, you know, look at the choices that you're making on a much larger picture than the choices that you make, you know, one-off And when it comes to fitness as well, look at the momentum that you're building for yourself and carving out the choice to do something physical every day, even if it's not extremely strenuous, just like you're choosing to eat foods that are nourishing and health benefit, benefit your health as opposed to degrade it and understand that you're not always going to make the best choices, just like my seven day a week workout habit doesn't always materialize. That's okay. Because if you shoot for 100% and you land at 80, then you're going to be better than most. And that's really the idea behind anything. So that is my long-winded story of what's evolved this month. I'm gonna to continue to do yoga and walk, and as I start to feel better, I'll go back to the gym, and I probably won't go balls to the walls like I did on Friday. But I am going to really take away something from this, a learning lesson that, you know, I really do value my health and my fitness, and I really do make it a priority, and I really commend myself for that. And I really do get a lot of benefit from yoga. It's always been in my life for the past, I would say, ten years, and it's helped. Me through a lot, but sometimes I veer away from it because I get a little bored with it. So I'll take a few months off here and there. But you know, coming back to it full force and doing it, I've been practicing probably five days a week right now. I forget how absolutely amazing it is. I think it's probably the most amazing gift that I've ever come across in my entire life. And I I don't say that lightly. So anyways, that's all I've got for today. You know, I would really appreciate it if you would subscribe to the podcast and leave me a review. Five stars is fab. And if you have anything, you know, less than that to offer, that's okay too. And I should say that the format of the podcast will begin to change going into 2015. I'll start having interviews very soon. I really just wanted to warm up my podcast muscles, doing a few conversations on my own, because if I don't like how these turn out, I just don't have to publish them and nobody else has invested in it. So that's me coming clean completely. I hope you've liked these sort of monologue shows, but I will start bringing on people because the show ultimately is not about me. It's, it's about you. And it's about sharing really important information and tips that you can use in your daily life. So on that note, have a wonderful day. I will talk to you again again very soon. And hey, namaste.